Welcome to Swift Unscripted. Swift podcasts give you, the listener, the opportunity to hear the inside story and be part of the conversation about all means all with leaders in the field of inclusive education and school-wide transformation. Here we are at Swift headquarters at the University of Kansas for part two of our podcast on the topic of the history and future of inclusive school reform. Our guest today is Dr. Wayne Saylor. Dr. Saylor is the director of the Swift Center and a professor at the University of Kansas. So, in part one, we learned about your thoughts on inclusive education and how the Swift Center mission of equity-based inclusion differs from traditional perceptions of disability and inclusion. Specifically, you talked about the need to reframe the problem. But I imagine reframing the problem isn't always that easy. Have there been any lessons you've learned throughout this process of supporting schools to make this change, especially since it's not the dominant paradigm? Well, what I've learned is you've got to have pretty thick skin to (laughs) to challenge a dominant paradigm in the first place Um, because you're going to find that that lots and lots of your colleagues um, are are fully vested in in the the existing uh, frame. And and, uh, and they'll see this as as an assault uh, on it. in the 1990s, Tom Skirtick and, and I published a series of chapters and papers uh, on interpreting postmodern thought uh, into special education um, because uh, both of us at the time were interested in what we call critical theory. And critical theory is, is really challenging existing assumptions where problems are identified that don't seem to be solvable. And and uh, and the this idea of postmodernism came from French philosophy. Um, they, when it was introduced in this country, it, it generated so much hostility and and uh, negativity that now the term seems to have faded away, and people still talk about critical theory, um, but you don't hear anybody talking about postmodernism. Well, uh, well, in the '90s, it was we bought the the French. Uh, interpretation of postmodern critical theory. Uh, Tom and I wrote about it, and whole issues of uh, special education journals. Special issues were brought out to do nothing but trash Tom and me. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, so it's not, uh, um, you know, I I think the, the reinforcement for thinking outside the box, which is what reframing is really where it starts. Um, the reinforcement comes in in uh, playing the game according to the rules, you know, and and subjecting new ideas to scientific validation and mm-hmm. use positivist methods. And uh, and when you get good results, you know, and the results you're getting are better than the results that were obtained by people laboring in a similar way under the dominant paradigm, um, then it, then you feel, okay, go ahead and throw rocks at me. I'm, I've got a better mousetrap, and I'm, right. I'm going to you know, market it by some way, shape, or form. And I think people that have been you know, moving in this general uh, blending of constructivism with positivism uh, and uh, um, moving toward whole school models um, internationally as well as within this country um, are really gaining some legs now and, the, and we're gaining it because we're getting outcome data that uh, through positivist methods um, and uh, um, that, that are incontrovertible. Right. 
So we think we're on the verge of possibly overthrowing a dominant paradigm and, uh, and, and rethinking the way we educate all kids. Um, we have wonderful resources now because of special education research. Um, the, great, you know, the great thing about special education is that it has gotten a lot of money from Congress to put into research and development, and out of that has come some amazing stuff. And it's stuff that works for all kids, you know, not just kids that are culled out and labeled. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, um, kids who, who you know, um, we, we worked with a school district in California for 10 years um, on putting this paradigm in, in place, and, uh, and that this definition of inclusion and at the end of the 10 years, uh, the whole district operates with no special classes whatsoever. Um, all of the kids are, are in different grouping arrangements within the school. We were using MTSS there before it was called MTSS. That term originated here in Kansas. Um, and, and even before the term RTI was, was prevalent, uh, they, were, we, they were practicing you know, these, these multi-tiered kind of intervention systems. Um, and, and the academic achievement of those kids we've now published in uh, several journal articles. And, uh, and they, uh, the, the kids labeled as having disabilities um, performed at a much higher level than they were performing before they started this system. Um, they began to close the achievement gap. We have data showing that the gap narrowed by uh, 2012. Um, we started in uh, 2002, uh, and um, and uh, so no special classes, uh, fully integrated system of supports, and and uh, so on, and and uh, very good educational outcomes. Uh, the bad news uh, was that and is that that school district uh, in California stops at the uh, eighth grade. And then the kids have to go uh, in that district, have to go to high school in a different school district. Um, and, and the surrounding two school districts that they would go to uh, are not integrated systems. So even though these kids have benefited tremendously from, a, from an inclusive educational uh, approach, um, when they, uh, the kids with IEPs, when they got to these other high school districts, they were put in special circumstances. And, uh, and it's very sad that, that kids themselves argued against that in their IEP meetings, the ones who were capable of formulating that kind of an argument. So we know it works. We, we think it's the way to go, and, uh, and that's, that's how we do business in SWIFT. So what advice would you give to maybe parents or educators or administrators who are listening, who are interested in this, who really want to follow through with this equity-based model? What advice would you give to them? Well, I would, I would advise them to uh, um, imagine uh, 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 an educational system in their school if they're an administrator or their children's school if they're a parent or their, their school district, if they're a district-level administrator, or, or, or. I would, I would ask them to, to just imagine a school where the, the, the issue is figuring out what resources are needed in order to enhance educational outcomes 
for any particular kid, rather than think about referral for separate specialized systems to address those needs. Um, another thing about that California district is it went from from 18% of kids in the district having IEPs, being in special education, in 2002, it went to less than 9% in 2012. Um, so that meant that, that as they evolved in this new frame, they uh, no longer um, felt that, that the, the resources needed to benefit kids with learning issues um, had to come from special education. They found other resource systems to benefit them. And they use CEIS, uh, the Early Intervening Services, which enables you to use special education money for kids without labeling them and, and referring them to special ed. Uh, so they, you know, they were able to, to uh, formulate um, a different view of how to approach learning needs than, than the traditional view of, of uh, referral for specialized resources. So I would say think about bringing those specialized resources uh, into the, the general ed system mm -hmm. and uh, look at things like collaborative teaching, uh, look at things like uh, second language for all kids. Um, you know, start, start thinking differently about how the resources that are available can be used and, uh, and use special education resources only when that's the best match. Right for what's needed. And finally, think about getting rid of, of self-contained classrooms for specialized services. Uh, the, the record of outcomes from that model of school organizations dismal. Right. And, and there's a, a new and growing body of evidence that whole school applications are producing uh, much better outcomes. Speaking of imagining, we'll just end with what is your vision for the future of education? So when you think about where it's been and what the work that you're doing now, what's your vision for the future? Well, I, I think I just articulated yeah. it. You know, it, it's, uh, I, think, I think my vision for the future of education is that uh, we overthrow the dominant paradigm and, and we install um, a system that reintroduces the contributions of cultural anthropology and sociology to education. We start making, you know, making it a part of the fabric of how we think about schools and talk about kids, that, it, that they are products of their ecology and the circumstances they're in, that, that the problems that they present are not lodged within them. Right. Um, you know, if a, if a student's blind, uh, you know, that's, that doesn't necessarily mean that they need to go off to a separate school um, because they're blind. Uh, it, it means that we make accommodations and supports available to them uh, to be in the context where they can be with friends and peers and have access to resources following school that all kids do. And uh, so we don't need to marginalize somebody because of a visual or any sensory impairment. We don't have to marginalize them because of a physical impairment. We just need to make, you know, curb cuts and, and ramps and elevators and the stuff that, uh, that will meet their needs. Right. And uh, intellectual disability. Um, 
you know, whatever, whatever behavioral problems, uh, positive behavior support, part of MTSS, we know um, can, if effectively applied and with fidelity and, and measured, you know, through progress, we can, uh, we don't have to remove kids that, that bring behavior problems into the school. We simply treat it as, as pedagogy and teach them social skills. Get rid of the bad behavior that's getting in the way of their learning. Um, plenty of uh, published examples of how to do that. So that's, for me, the future of education is all kids get educated with all other kids um, and they're valued for what they bring to the table and uh, they're not pitied um, and they're not marginalized. And as such, they, they have a bright future. Right. Well, thank you so much for your time. And for our listeners, if you'd like to learn more, go to swiftschools.org and click on Swift Talk, where you can find lots more stories written by leaders in the field of school-wide transformation. SWIFT is a national case center that provides academic and behavioral support to promote the learning and academic achievement of all students, including students with disabilities and those with the most extensive needs.